It's out with the old and in with the new. Goodbye, clouds of gray. Hello, skies of blue. A new season's here of this podcast I do. Welcome back to Thoughts Aloud Season 2. An industry that serves as a place of great joy for many through food, drinks, and social engagement, but also a place of frustration, stress, and annoyance at times for others. A place that has suffered greatly during the ongoing pandemic, but also a place that I have high hopes will make a triumphant return as the world aims for normalcy by the end of the year. What is this said place I am talking about? Well, that will be restaurants, of course. (laughs) This week, as Thoughts Aloud continues the celebration of Women's History Month, I've invited my friend and former co-worker from way back when, Alicia, to discuss the highs and lows and uh uh-ohs of working in the restaurant industry. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Kofi. (laughs) Happy Women's History Month to me, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> Happy Women's History Month to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yes. So as I said in my wonderful intro that I made myself and I'm so proud of, <laughs> we we are going to be discussing restaurants and, you know, just the ins and outs and in-betweens. Um, so w- to get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about your restaurant experience? Okay. So I've always been obsessed with food. It's been a problem forever. Um, but I started working in restaurants in 2015. So I've been doing it for six years. But even before that, I was working at sandwich shops or my university's cafeteria, always centered food. The restaurant that almost broke me and you is the one that we worked <laughs> at while we were in college. Mm-hmm. It was one of the busiest restaurants in our college. That was the first restaurant. It was scary. It was so scary. Um, From then, I worked at a steakhouse. I worked at two Mexican restaurants, a really bougie, healthy restaurant in Bethesda. So I've kind of just been all over the place. Wherever they'll take me, I'm going to go. Yeah. Okay. So the restaurant that we worked at together was kind of like your first, was that your first main restaurant job? As a server, yes. Wow. I did not know that. (laughs) Okay. That's interesting. I barely got that job. The only reason why I got that job is I had made it past the first interview and our manager was like, okay, now you have to go to the GM, but I'm going to let you know you've never been a server. So he's going to say no. I was like, oh, Mm. (laughs) rude, but okay. I get to the Mm -hmm. GM and he's like, so you've really never been a server? I'm like, no. And then he goes, well, what's your last name from? I'm like, El Salvador. He goes, that's where I'm from. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and that's uh-huh. why I got the job. Wow. Mm-hmm. You've been off the races ever since. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, I remember my interview for that job. It was like that two-part interview that you're talking about. Um, I had serving experience, but it was a little bit different because my first job before the job we worked at together was at a retirement home. Hmm. Um so we did have to go through the process of, you know, serving all the serving steps and stuff. But it was a little different because they didn't let the old people tip us because <laughs> in case that some of them had like dementia or something, they didn't want them giving us money that and then them forgetting that they gave us money and just making it a whole thing. So it was a serving job, but it was hourly. But we still acted as a restaurant. Um, oh. <laughs> but that was yeah, that was my first and only job during high school. And then once I got to college, I believe my freshman year, I didn't work. But then my sophomore year is when I started at the restaurant um, 
where we work together. Um, and yeah, so that's interesting. Um, yes, <laughs> but that restaurant um, had a lot of highs and lows, I would say. The money was good at times, but it also wasn't at times. That was a restaurant where I one time had a breakdown. Yes, me, Kofi, I had a breakdown during a brunch service <laughs> when a party of 20 million decided not to tip me and I took off my apron tears started flowing and i and i left the restaurant i left the restaurant and i went back to my dorm room and i said i am through but i actually had to work an event later that night so i came back and all was well Uh, but we can get i will be right back (laughs) a hundred percent um but that's kind that kind of scarred me from ever working brunch again but we'll get into that a little bit um so nice and yeah so you've worked at a few different restaurants um like i have um so yeah so the college restaurant was my first restaurant and that was kind of like um, fast, casual, you know, not too upscale or whatever. From that restaurant, I then moved to a restaurant in DC, which was more, um, they called it upscale casual. Um, it was a French restaurant. If you know where I'm talking about, then, you know, <laughs> um, it was nice, but actually there I didn't serve. I actually, that's when I started hosting. I became a maitre d. Um, well, first I started off as a, a lowly host and then I got promoted to a maitre d because I'm awesome at whatever I do. <laughs> um, so then, yes, yeah, so I started working as a maitre d' there. That was great. That was fun. Um, and then from there, after I left there, because they weren't trying to pay me what I was worth, mm. <laughs> um, I then went to a upscale type place. They had a prefix menu. It was called a tasting restaurant or something. So it's like one of those restaurants where the meals are like very small um, and the menu started at like $70 a person. And it was very upscale. It was a new restaurant. Um I didn't work there for too long because, yeah, they still had a lot of stuff to figure out and I didn't have time to waste. Um, So I worked there and then I ended my D.C. restaurant career at a beer keg place type thing, which is very much more casual, much more relaxed. The beer menu changed every day. They had like 100 types of beer you could choose from every day. Um, So they never expected us to memorize it, but just to have a general idea of beers and stuff. And it's so funny because I do not drink beer. I think it's nasty. (laughs) Not for me. Um, I will drink cider. I know that's not beer, but, you know, I'm the same. that's what I'll be drinking. Cider or sour. <laughs> um, exactly. So then that was the last restaurant I worked at in D.C. Um, was the beer house. And then finally, when I moved to New York, I started my job at um, the restaurant that I worked at for a while. Again, I worked there as a host um, and it paid very well. And then it had its ups and downs as well. And yeah, that's my restaurant career. And now I'm here. <laughs> Okay, so great. So we've now listed our resumes to the audience so they know that we have experience and we know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how you work for one restaurant and then you kind of wake up and you're like, oh, wait, I've worked for like eight restaurants. Like, this is yes. weird, but that's just how it is. But yeah. Okay, so now that we've got that out of the way, what just to start off, what are some of your serving restaurant pet peeves? Um, <laughs> I know there might be a lot, so <laughs> I'm going to just let you, you know, speak your truth. Okay, so I think one of my biggest pet peeves is when you run the server around to check liquor Mm. prices. It's very Mm. specific. They start asking what the rail is. You tell them Mm -hmm. it's some off-brand rum, let's say. They get disgusted. Oh, I'm never putting that in my body. What about Bacardi? (laughs) You check the price. Okay, that's going to be $8. Oh, no, no, it's too much. What's in between that? Like, are you serious right now? Like, Mm-hmm. That is so embarrassing. If you don't have the money to drink labels, that's fine. 
just know just know where you're at before you get there okay so that's one of my biggest pet peeves another one is people that come five to ten minutes before closing order a well done steak (laughs) they don't get the hint we're flipping chairs like okay we're clearly closed Mm. and they'll stay there laughing pretending like none of us exists it's just for Mm -hmm. me that that is like my ultimate ultimate pet peeve um or asking for a strong island light ice Mm. Mm. (laughs) Uh, let me jump in right, right there um First thing uh, with the people coming late, I remember one time I was working at the restaurant here in New York. And again, I was a host, five minutes of closings, a family of three, this white family tapped on the window and I kind of saw them. I was trying to act like I didn't see them. (laughs) So I was looking at them uh, from the corner of my eye and they were tapping on the window trying to get let in. So then I finally let them in and they're like, oh, we called ahead Um, again. Our restaurant closes at 11. It was 10.55. So it's one of those type of situations. And I was like, oh, like we're closed blah, 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 or we're about to close, whatever. And like, oh, yeah, we called ahead. Da, 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 da. So they gave me the whole runaround, begging me up and down the restaurant. And again, I'm not a server, so I don't personally care. But again, I always as a host, I try to look out for my servers because I know I've been a server. So I know how it is. But that let them in. Of course, the servers were giving me the side eye like I did it intentionally. The manager said it was fine. So they got sat. They got sat. They ordered all that stuff. But it's just one of those situations like me personally, if I want to go out to eat and I see that a place is about to close, I just don't go there. Even if I'm doing like Uber Eats or something, if I see they're about to close, I don't order from there because one, I want the food to be good. I don't want them to like rush it to give it to me or whatever. And two, I just don't want to be a nuisance to anyone. So like I will find somewhere else to eat or I'll just eat a bowl of cereal or something like I'm not going out of my way to be a nuisance. Um, so I've never really understood people who do that. Um, yeah. Also, the, the second thing, the light ice it's so funny. People like never understand that when you say light ice, you're not going to get more alcohol. Mm-mm. You're not going to. No, they just change the cup. <laughs> <laughs> they just change the cup size, but it's still going to be the same portion. Um, So that's always been funny to me when people do that. And they pour the liquor in the straw when you ask to make it stronger. Mm. So then mm-hmm. for like one second, they're like, oh, my God, thank you. But mm-hmm. then every like even the bartender's like, nah, girl. Like, that's just not how things work. And I don't really feel bad closing at the time that we close because we're Mm -hmm. not grocery stores. We're not a convenience store, right? And there's other places to get food. You know, that family of three could have gone to the 7-Eleven, could have gone to the McDonald's. Sorry to promote any brands. There was literally a 24-7 hour McDonald's across the street that they could have went to, ate there, and just called it a night as nasty as McDonald's might be. You, you know, it is what it is, but they wanted their fancy upscale um, steaks and uh, lobster risotto at 11 o'clock at night. And it was just. OK, was well, just you didn't say you were serving lobster risotto. I might have had to tap on the window, too. I mean, we got to do what we got to do. But I understand yes. what you were saying about you don't want this, the cooks to rush your food because I mm. want my food to be made with love. Like I can tell if someone was in pain or whatever yeah. um, or pissed off when they're making my food. Like that makes a huge difference. Mm. Yeah, that's 100%. Those are definitely a couple of my pet peeves. Another one, and I didn't really get this until working at a steakhouse, is Mm. certain classes of people do not acknowledge you. You'll be sitting there at the table Mm. like, okay, would you like something to drink? They'll just continue their conversation. No eye contact Mm. will be made. And you just walk away until they literally, like a dog, call for you, you know? Um, wow. So that was an adjustment because I say what's on my mind. So I'm like, hello. 
<laughs> but eventually I was like, all right, I'm wasting all of our time. So let me just wait till they actually need something. And then the host will signal like working at a steakhouse really taught me there's levels to this money and mm. the type of people that go there have a whole different set of needs than people that go to where we went, like where we were working at super busy, you know, guest turnover was crazy. Um, mm -hmm. kind of fast casual, I would say, mm -hmm. but the steakhouse, those are different people. Another mm. thing I wanted to ask you, um, mm -hmm. I don't know if this is jumping too far ahead, but it wasn't till I worked at the steakhouse that I started running into, I, I like to call them hooker lights. Okay. So they're like hmm. kind of escorts, you know, mm -hmm. they come with the lunch crowd. They pretend mm -hmm. like they've never been there before. I love to play this game. Hi, ma'am. Have you been here before? <laughs> no, never. Even though I served her every single week for two months with a different man. But with different people. Oh, of course. Ooh, of course. Okay. That's yes. why I ask her every time. Because mm -hmm. she's never paying. So, and she's going to complain? No. Um, mm -hmm. So that, I, I know that you probably have seen some shady things the higher up you go. You know, I like to think of the good that's in the world. So when I see a woman of the younger variety, um, maybe in a tight dress with a man that's a little bit older or a lot older, um, I like to think that, oh, like they're just a couple that, you know, found love in a hopeless place. But my coworkers will be quick to point out, oh, like they're uh, an arranged couple or whatever. And then I start to, once I start looking at them, then I start to see it. Um, but yeah, that's interesting that you say that. I mean, I definitely don't knock it. And it was mm -hmm. opportunity is opportunity. You know, right. <laughs> and at the end of the day, if you are going to run around with an escort, the best time to do it is Tuesday lunch when your wife thinks you're at lunch. And mm. I don't really see. I don't know. I don't see it as too much of a problem. I mean, I'm sorry about for the wives, but I just think it's interesting that everyone in the restaurant knows what's going on. And we all just have to pretend like we don't like <laughs> it's like a cool yeah. game. It's like a simulation in there. So many things are happening at once. A hundred percent. Just going back to what you said about going to tables that don't acknowledge you. As an introvert myself, I find it sometimes strange that I'm able to be be a good server. Um, but I am because like, yeah, I learned quickly that how you approach a table is you kind of sets the standard for the rest of the experience for the table and for yourself. So especially I learned along the way with these like large parties. I hate doing large tables like I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um <laughs> But yeah, these like 20 tops, 15 people, 12 people, whatever. When you approach the table and if you try to like talk in your regular voice and they will just talk over you, they'll act like you're not there, even though you're there to help them. So I usually come up to the table. I'm like, hi, everyone. My name is Kofi. I'll be taking care of you today. Can I get you guys anything to drink or any appetizers to get started? And I'll be so louder than I usually am. Yeah. And it catches their attention and everyone starts. Everyone listens right away. And then I go one by one and get the drink orders and all that stuff. And it just sets the standard. They're like, okay, this is the type of stuff we're working with. But back in the day when I was kind of first starting out, I'll kind of like approach the table kind of like meekly, like, hi, like, and try to like talk in my regular voice. And only like the person that's standing right next to me would hear me. And then they would try to get the attention of everybody else and it would never work. So yeah, that's like one thing I learned um, <laughs> dealing with uh, situations like that. Yeah. I, what I do is you got to spot the host early. 
And it's not mm-hmm. always the person that's paying. It's the person that mm-hmm. has the most influence at the table because mm-hmm. they're the, usually mm-hmm. the ones talking. So as soon as you shut them up by making direct eye contact with them <laughs> and talking to them like, hey, how are you today? People mm-hmm. kind of start to go quiet. You know, you mm-hmm. got to find the Regina George of the table. <laughs> it's just the truth. Yes. And then sometimes 100%. Like, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to go in a circle this way. Like, I, Or I'll be like, Okay, we're gonna go counterclockwise, like especially if there's like young kids, because they're just like, I want mm-hmm. this, I want this. Like it's the zigzags for me. I can't do it. I mm-hmm. have to go in a circle so that everything is organized. And I just tell them, if you need separate checks, let me know now. Like let's just get all the bullshit out of the way right now, and then it will go smooth, smoother. Yeah, because sometimes when I'm writing down the orders and stuff, I have it set up in like a table or a seat position way. That way, when I'm putting it in the system, everything flows smoothly. But then once people are like, oh, I'm not sure what I want. Can you come back to me? Or this person tries to jump in and order for this person. It like at first used to throw me, but like now I'm kind of like used to that type of stuff. But yeah, it's it's always a process dealing with large tables, and I'll get get my story um in about my breakdown later. Um, But okay, (laughs) any other pet peeves you have? All the other pet peeves are going to be for the COVID section because mm, nothing could have prepared mm. me for working during COVID. It's been crazy. Okay. okay, okay, okay. Now, let's talk about the money a bit of working as a server. How do you like the money? Have you ever had an hourly job? How does it compare? What are your thoughts on that? Okay, so I've had two hourly jobs, but they were part-time and then part-time, part-time. Like, absolutely nothing. Maybe five, six hours a week. Um, so I can't really compare it to working at a restaurant where I was working 40, 50 hours. Um, I will say the money is so much faster at a restaurant because for the most part, even if you don't get to keep your credit card tips, you will be walking away with your cash tips every single time you clock in. And so, Mm. you know, we had coworkers that they were like, Hey, my rent is due on Friday. I'm picking up everyone's shift until then. And Mm. they would get their rent money like so quickly. That's not going to happen at an hourly job. But what they don't tell you about serving is a lot of the hourly job rules do not apply for servers. We don't get ample breaks. That's not a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we can eat sandwich in the back and then we're expected to be back on the floor. And while you're Mm. eating that sandwich, you better be rolling some silverware because you still have to do all the side work. (laughs) Like, it is crazy sometimes. Uh-huh. And that's why you dropping the apron in the middle of the floor, mm-hmm. that was not a one-time occurrence. It was a one-time occurrence for you. It happened mm-hmm. once a month. The servers mm-hmm. were breaking down left and right. I mean, I think I had like five <laughs> mental breakdowns while working there. That mm-hmm. is where my trauma started in life now. But it, it was it was really stressful. And it's always going to be stressful. But I think for the money, because you're making money so fast, it's so easy to spend it. So anyone that's thinking about going to be a server, especially after COVID is over, just know to have some sort of plan to save the money. Be smart. Um, Maybe you can come up with a system where any cash that you have aside from your credit card tips, you immediately deposit in the bank. And that way you can keep track of everything that you're purchasing Don't pay for anything in cash, like have it all tracked out um, Mm -hmm. because the money will go just as fast as it comes. Oh, you are speaking a word, (laughs) a sermon, (laughs) Um, a few things. 
Um, yes, in terms of the money, it's so easy. Um, let's say I'm working a double, and a double for those of you who don't know is just more than one shift, or yeah, so it's like two shifts. So like, let's say if there's a morning shift and a night shift, you're working both shifts. So I've plenty of times I've worked doubles in my life, usually on weekends um, when I was in school, where you know you would open the restaurant at nine o'clock or whatever. And you close. You'll be there till closing at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah. So I, that's a long ass shift. That is like, let's say you're working the lunch. Okay, let's say it's the weekend. So brunch starts at ten. So you have to get there by nine to set up. So you get there at nine. Then the brunch shift goes all the way till three. So that's a five hour shift or whatever on your feet. Then. There's a little transition time where often like there won't be as many servers on the floor. You might have a break. You might not. And then you go into dinner time from five all the way to closing. That is a long shift. And like you're saying about the breaks, depending on where you are, depending on how busy it is, sometimes you get an hour to sit down, eat, and sometimes you don't. And a lot of times what that break is often includes doing roll-ups and silverware, which is, you know, what you have on the table when you come to eat at a restaurant. Um, Because, you know, they love the silverware. (laughs) You can't escape the silverware. (laughs) So, yeah. And a lot of, yeah, a lot of times your break is kind of like a mix between silverware, doing your side work and also eating and and also doing your financial report for the first shift um, and making sure all your affairs are in order. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into it. But with that being said, when you work a double at times, at the end of the night, when it's time to wrangle up all the money you've made, you can be leaving the restaurant with five hundred dollars, four fifty, five fifty, and that's a lot of money for one day, um, for people our age at least. Um, so yeah, it's it's like it's a double edged sword because you're like, damn, did I really just stay on my feet for twelve hours talking to people that I don't like in terms of the customers <laughs> sometimes? Um, sometimes the managers and just sometimes the managers and just really like putting my body through all this physical um uh, ailment but then i'm making 550 dollars. like who's doing that at my age at like 1920 um and that's why like me personally i never kind of understood the whole broke college student thing i guess um i would say that because i hmm, how should i (laughs) i didn't have any i didn't have any rent or utilities to pay at least my um yeah i didn't have any rent or utilities to pay um and yeah, and like I didn't have a car payment. I didn't really have any response, like any financial responsibilities. So all the money I made while we we're working at the, the restaurant in college, it pretty much just went to my savings and then spending on like like college textbooks and clothes and stuff like that. So I never really felt that pain. So anytime friends Same. or whatever would be talking about like, oh, like I'm not poor, but oh, I don't have money for this or, like, or I'm eating ramen or whatever. Like, go make the I would money. just be <laughs> like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> Yeah, like I would just be quiet. I was like, oh, could it be me? And then I think one time we were having a conversation with like, oh, like what college student has more than $5,000 in their bank account? And then I was just sitting there quietly because I was like, I do. I was like, is this not a thing that people do? Um, So it was kind of weird. But again, it's only because I put myself through that um, stress of working doubles on weekends and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so it's interesting. The money is a give and take situation. And again, in terms of like saving your money, when you're leaving the job at the end of a shift and you have $200, $300 cash in your pocket, it's easy, it's easy to say, oh, let me just go across the street to my local bar and spend $30, $40, 50 on drinks and appetizers or something with friends or coworkers or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So then, but if you do that every shift and you work four or five times a week, then that's all the money you're right. making. So it's a very tricky thing. Yeah. Exactly. It's very like counterintuitive and like, or I guess I should say, like, just not progressive. 
Um, but it, you know what? You do have to treat yourself sometimes because at the end of the day, when you're serving for so many hours in one day, you're kind of losing a piece of yourself, like a piece of your soul <laughs> is dying and you need to resuscitate mm -hmm. it. So we're not saying that you shouldn't take time for yourself at the end of the day, do something special for you. Um, and sometimes you might want to go to a bar because that's the only place serving food that late at the night. And like, I totally get yes. that. But um, something that I do now is after a really hard day of working, I start to plan out what, what I'm going to cook for myself when I get home. And I get super creative and I just feel like I'm, I'm bringing back those pieces of myself that I lost while clocked in. Another thing, mm. take care of your feet early. Like if you plan on being a server for a while, soak your feet in Epsom salt, um, do your stretches. <laughs> like I'm getting old. Get, like it yeah, is not. Get good shoes. Yes, get good shoes. Get good padded shoes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm hmm. Yeah, I love that. Those are words of wisdom that we'll end this episode on. Um, I don't want to run too long because honestly, when it comes to serving, just because we've been doing it for so long, we can be here and talk for hours and hours and hours. So later in the week, um, we will release part two where I will share my breakdown on the brunch restaurant floor <laughs> and Alicia will share some stories and pet peeves of working during COVID. Um, thank you so much for coming on for this uh, part one, I guess I should say. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, we'll be back with the quote of the week and to wrap things up. This week's quote comes from the amazingly talented Meryl Streep. And the quote goes, It's amazing how much you can get if you quietly, clearly, and authoritatively demand it. That's all. <laughs> the quote again is, it's amazing how much you can get if you quietly, clearly, and authoritatively demand it. That's all. And I just, I, I resonate with that so much in terms of how I used to interact with guests in restaurant. Um, and I'll leave it there. <laughs> we'll be back to close out the show. Another episode has come to a close. <laughs> Thank you, Alicia, once again for coming on Thoughts Aloud. Alicia and I definitely did not get to talk about everything we wanted to when it comes to restaurants and serving, so part two will be out shortly. If you liked what you heard and you'd love to hear more, share this podcast with your friends and leave a written review. It goes a long way and is truly, truly appreciated. See you soon for part two. Until then, be well and goodbye. <laughs>